Today's episode of Vice Versa, we're gonna be talking about GM building cars for Honda, Waymo throwing shade at Tesla, the solar roof expansion picking up steam, and much more. And as usual, I am joined by the always insightful Ricky Roy. How you doing, Ricky? You're much too kind, you're much too kind. I'm doing well, <laughs> doing well. Life is good, man. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this. Episode number eight feels like it's just flying by. It's going so by so fast. I can't believe we're already a couple weeks into the new year by this point. It's like, it's, it's kind of crazy. So with that, I think we should jump into our very first story, which is talking about a company that I've always really loved. And I don't know if you know this, Matt, but before I went all in on Tesla and bought my first um, Tesla, I was a huge Honda guy. I always thought Honda made some of the best cars. They were very reliable. And I've owned like four or five car their cars and a couple of motorcycles. It was interesting when I heard this one, but General Motors is going to produce Honda's first electric vehicles for both their Honda and Acura line. And <laughs> this makes me just think, why Honda, why? But, you know, there's a couple of things at play here. And so the first thing, at, I think we've touched on this before, but Japanese businesses are very conservative. They're very hierarchical and they don't take risk. And if you go back in time, um, I'll start with some of the good news, but if you go back in time, when they first jumped into the SUV market, they did the same thing, where they actually didn't build their own SUV. They didn't really know what to expect, and so they actually did a white-label deal with Isuzu. So it was the Honda Passport, I think is what it was called, and Isuzu made the rodeo. So they said, why don't we try this out? Let's see how people, you know, how they respond to it, and then eventually they went on to make the Pilot, which is a it's been a breakout hit. So my hope is that they're doing the same thing here, which is GM, you have Ultium, you've got kind of the infrastructure in place to like start to do this. Why don't you build a couple cars for us? We'll see how it goes and then we'll switch gears. But, you know, I, I got to say, I'm really bummed out by this. And the reason is <laughs> you got to have the investment. Like, what are you waiting for? If you're not going to build these now, you're already 15 years behind. Okay. So I know let's wait five more years for the data to come back. And at that point, I just feel like General Motors will be really good at this. Forget about Tesla. They'll be 20 years ahead. And what's, gonna, what's Honda to do? If, especially if Jim is like, you know what, Honda, you know, deals off. We can't keep up with our own demand. We're not going to build cars for you. And if that were to happen, then Honda is kind of completely in, in the dark. So my big thing here is how far Honda has fallen. They, they were this company that I admired and I loved. They... Every Honda I've ever owned has been good to me. They like nothing ever happened in all the years I've I've had them. Yeah. And now here we are in about General Motors building their EVs. Um, I guess it's better than nothing, but this one really just bummed me out, man. Yeah, I didn't realize you were such a Honda fan. <laughs> yeah, for me, for me, I don't have that tie to the Honda brand, but I have a huge amount of respect for them. I mean, they're one of the major players in the industry. So this this story for me was it's a double edged sword. It's like on one side. That's really great news for GM. It's like they're they're becoming a major player in the EV space, and their LTM platform really looks promising to me. And this, to me, shows that there's some real value there for not just GM, but for the broader market. So it's like, you go GM. This is, this is them. They're like one of the only companies that's actually doing things like building out gigafactories. It's like they're building their own gigafactories. They're starting to go pretty deep into EV production. And so this is great news for them. But then at the same time, I'm in the same camp with you on Honda. It's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it just, it's, they're basically passing the buck. It's like all of the um, 
insights that you gain from building something, they're not going to get. GM's going to be getting that. So it's like it's not going to help them make better EVs in the future on their own. They're always going to be beholden to somebody else to build it for them. It's, set, it's setting them back. So it's like this is the time for them to learn on their own how to do it and how to perfect their own technologies to stand on their own two feet. Instead, they're just ceding that territory to basically their competitors. It's just it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. But I think on the flip of the coin, General Motors suddenly is this company that's like, yeah, we'll make we'll make cars for you. We'll make cars for you. We've got this thing kind of figured out. Like, how cool is that? I, yeah. I don't know that their stock price is really reflected what they're kind of up to. And I think they have a lot to prove. Uh, EV, Hummer EV will, will be a big first step. But mm-hmm. great on you, GM, like you mentioned, and Honda. Um, I hope you're around in four or five years. And the, the <laughs> Honda EV that they made is so cute. It's not such a cool car. Of course, it's very compliance feeling. It's, you know, Europe only, 90, 100 miles of range. Um, people liked it. I thought that was kind of a cool car. But let's hope Honda doesn't totally just yeah. shoot themselves in the foot here with this one. Yeah, I'm worried. So next up, this one. <laughs> I love this one. Uh, we've covered Waymo before. We've talked about Tesla and full self-driving and kind of the different takes about full self-driving. Well, Waymo is throwing an incredible amount of shade at Tesla with this. <laughs> I, I don't know if we call it a press release. It was a blog post, but they're no longer going to be referring to their technology as full self-driving. They're calling it fully autonomous. And on one regard, I kind of see where they're coming from because there is a nuance there between self-driving and fully autonomous. And what they're saying is that there's other auto companies, and they're very vague about those other auto companies, but they are, of course, talking about Tesla. They're the big one. Um, saying that they're, they have full self-driving tech, but their cars still require people to be fully attentive and have their hands on the wheel and take control at any time where their technology basically doesn't. It's, it truly is autonomous driving for where their taxis operate. So they're making the case that for them they had to make the distinction because the term is getting, the waters are getting muddied and customer expectations are being falsely set and it could potentially be dangerous uh, that you're saying that this is fully self-driving and it actually isn't. So I think they do have like a little seed of truth there, but this to me was hysterical (laughs) because it's just like, Waymo, why, why, why do you have to do this? It's like they are, they are looked at as one of the leaders in, autonomous driving it's like they don't have to like take this stance but it does seem like they're trying to play i feel like this is the first move in what's a a chess game it feels to me like they're potentially trying to set something up because of legislation and rules that are set up around the country that they're trying to distance themselves a little bit from tesla because (laughs) they see something coming where tesla maybe there's a class action lawsuit or there's things that come up against tesla for their Feel self-driving and misrepresenting what it actually does, and they want to make sure that they're like as far off over here, saying "Leave us alone. We're not doing anything close to what they're doing." So I, I wonder if it's partially that them trying to protect themselves. Interesting. You know, you you met um, in the article that we are alluding to. They mentioned that like words matter, language matters. Yeah. I've never heard that expression as much as I have in 2020. Like 2020 was the year where language <laughs> mattered. Every, I feel like we were like everything everyone said was under a microscope. And to the point here is, yeah, if you're going to call yourself full self-driving, 
but require people to be attentive and move the wheel. Um, the concern is, you know, what happens if somebody buys a, a Tesla thinking it's full self-driving, I'm going to go to sleep or uh, consume alcohol or something very dangerous and stupid. Now, I kind of understand that. But to your point, it is totally throw in shade because yeah. nothing really will come from this. It's not like these are terms or like, you know, like categorizations. These are just terms like we could use mm -hmm. whatever terms we wanted to, to call this stuff what we wanted. Um, in the end, will it matter? I don't think so. If, if you're buying a Tesla and you're going to get the full self-driving um, part of it, too, is they're kind of shedding light on the fact like Tesla, you're selling this full self-driving package that is not that doesn't exist yet. It doesn't. Yep. It's not a full self-driving package. So again, total shade um, move. And <laughs> I'm not sure if it'll pay off or if people will kind of think it's petty, but I do think this is the age, the era, the year of language matters. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> maybe this is kind of the beginning of of a lot more companies kind of following suit with pejorative little, you know, <laughs> yeah. differentiations. This does feel very petty to me, but there is a seed of truth to what they're saying. But it's just like, sure. why, 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 why are you doing this? I just don't see what the end game is for them unless they're setting themselves up to try to distance themselves in case there's any kind of legal action down the road, and they don't want to get tied up into the into any kind of mess that Tesla and other companies might find themselves in if they don't navigate this well. And I didn't mean to make a pun there with navigation, but. Yeah. <laughs> it was built in. Was Jim, built you got to remember, Tesla and Elon are saying that we're going to have full self-driving in the near term. Uh, the beta is going really well. So this story is going to get more interesting. And yeah. uh, we'll we'll keep a close eye on, on how this one progresses. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right. Next up is a story that I think is really fun, especially because Mr. Farrell has a awesome video <laughs> that you got to check out on his channel. Um, ironically... I have a similar video coming out as well. So we'll have links to that, but you gotta check out his channel for the full in-depth, especially if you're thinking about like forecasted predictions and stuff of the Tesla solar roof. But this story is about how Tesla is really ramping up on hiring and entering new markets and just a, a massive full speed ahead approach to solar roof installations. So 2020 was a pretty good year for solar roof. Matt and I both have speaking with, spoken with companies that are offering this and have now installed it on, on numerous homes. But here they've kind of, kind of a report of some of the markets that they believe will be very important. So we have like, you know, Phoenix and a bunch of stuff in California. Very interestingly, tons of stuff where you live, Matt, in Massachusetts and Maryland, yeah. New York, New Jersey, Nevada. So we've got a pretty blanket coverage approach. This story is really interesting if you're a Tesla investor because Elon has called the solar roof like the next big thing, this big money making item. And I gotta say, I agree. The The CEO that I spoke with and in your video, the video that uh, some of the B-roll that you showed, it is utterly stunning. Yes, and if you is. had the money, if, if, the, <laughs> if, the, if it worked out right for you, I mean, there's no equivalent. And in Matt's video, Matt mentioned some of the competitors, and they're not even close in terms of price. Like Tesla beats them on price, um, but really fascinating. And I think this might be the year that Solar Roof goes mainstream. Where have I, where have I heard that before? <laughs> Which is Matt's video. But I agree with you, man. Your timing was incredible with this one. And all the job postings and just how they're investing in this, I think, is, is, is a massive part of their plan for 2021. Yeah, a lot of the comments on that video were, I want to get one, but it's not in my area, or I put in an order and I've been waiting a year. 
it's like so when this art when you put this article in it was like super exciting news for me it's like this is what we need to see we need to see them finding partners to roll this out to more locations faster because there's a huge demand for this thing there is so much potential for it and like you said it's it's gorgeous it's like the other options that are on the market they're fine but i don't know if you've looked at them closely one of them i think is just downright ugly it's like it's not a good looking roof at all and it's like tesla is the best looking one of the bunch because it looks the least like a solar tile it's like it looks more like a roofing tile and it's a beautiful roofing tile so it's like they have a they have a winning product on their hands all they have to do is ramp it up and get it out there and i think they're going to have a huge huge hit so it's 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 really exciting to see the news that they're they're ramping up getting partners on board to help them get them installed in people's homes I completely agree. This is a really fast. I wish I could get it, but I have a, I have um, a concrete. I have like a hundred year roof, so I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't be prudent for me to <laughs> no. do so. But I really wish I could get it because one thing people I don't think entirely understand is Tesla doesn't make the panels that they sell if you get the retrofit solar. They license it out to companies like QCell and some others. Um, but this is their first actual solar product, and again, you got to give them credit for not investing in. In, a, in an area that didn't make sense. Like for example, could you imagine if Tesla made a traditional solar panel? Why? You're, are you trying to compete with all those Chinese manufacturers that have full scale production? Probably not. But this now, and it's gone through iterations. We're on V3, right? Is that right? Mm -hmm. So they, this has taken them a while to figure out. And it really comes down to like, can you mass produce it? Can it be on cost? And how easy is it, is it modular? And how easy is it to, to change out? In your video and in the CEO that I spoke with, I think they both live in really harsh climate regions i think you did too yeah. it was 75 degrees here today but hail and stuff if something bad happens like how easily could you pop out one tile and, and have it changed out incredible what they've come up with here um so the beauty of it too is, is remarkable it's all the little flashings and all the little pieces around it the vent in your attic and all the little everything gets changed out and it has a matching uniform look it does not look my roof does not look like that my roof no. looks like a <laughs> old-fashioned roof with some sticks popping out and panels on it and yeah this is incredible and by the way matt um i don't know if you touched on it in your video here in california all new construction as of 2019 i believe it was is required to have solar and so how much solar you need is a function of like square footage and some other uh, attributes but so now california we have really high real estate prices and if you live in some of the more premium areas like the premier neighborhoods and there's a builder building houses with like retrofit junky old looking panels or you have this community of new homes that have tesla solar roof on them which houses sell first and how much more money can you yeah. sell them for i think they're going to be a, a breakout hit and i think this is the year for them i'm yeah. super excited as you could probably tell yeah the, the one the only downside is like first they have to get the rollout going the second thing is they have to continue to drop those prices because it still is very expensive and the the gentleman i interviewed eric weddle he, he pointed out to me in the conversation that if you own a house that's $200,000 out in the middle of Nebraska, you're not gonna wanna spend $100,000 on your roof. But if you live in Colorado and you're Denver and you have a house that's $750,000, $100,000 on your roof makes a lot of sense. Uh, so it's like there's a value equation going on there. So until that roof product gets even cheaper still, it's, it's gonna still be a niche product in the broader market but it's still gonna make a huge dent and it can be a huge seller for Tesla. And it's it's made in the Buffalo plant. So it's like, 
that's what they make it in the Gigafactory. So one of these days, I'm going to visit you. We're going to have lunch or something. Then we're going to go tour that plant. I'd love to do yeah, that. I want, I want to go there. How so far bad. are you from? It's about a far, right? six to seven hour drive from here, actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty far. Yeah. My, my East Coast my geography isn't the best, but. Yeah. My parents live about an hour outside of Buffalo. They live in Rochester, New York. So it's like, I could swing by my parents and go to the Buffalo Gigafactory. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but I will say one thing. This is a new endeavor for Tesla, and it requires roofing experience. Like, you're not just, like, for example, the gentleman I spoke with, he acquired a roofing company. That was his way to get into the market because he didn't feel he had enough expertise and enough, like, you know, training and everything required to enter this market. So they acquired a roofing company. This is a roofing product. You have mm -hmm. to learn about flashing and footings and all that goes into a roofing product. So um, you got to be patient, I think, a little bit and bear in mind that this is a new thing. The, the gentleman also mentioned that currently half of his jobs are Tesla paying him to remove the old roof and prepare it. And then Tesla's guys come in and finish the job. The other half is he does the entire thing. So there's a lot of moving parts to this. And and the, the service aspect is probably what Tesla is the least good at, to be honest with you. I think they make great products, but the service part is a it's an evolutionary thing and they're going to get better. And so keep that in mind. And also remember that you might get it installed from Tesla, but it might be from third party people, like the person you spoke with or the person I spoke with. But yeah, it's all the same roof. And so be excited. Yeah, definitely. All right. So next up is uh, Massachusetts passing a sweep sweeping climate change bill. Uh, the reason I put this in here was not just because it's where I live, <laughs> but I was wanting to talk more broadly about how in the United States, we haven't had a cohesive federal strategy towards climate change, where in the EU, they are. They have a EU strategy for climate change that's impacting all the countries. And over here, states are having to take it upon themselves to make these changes. And California is like the leader of this in the country. And then a close second is Massachusetts. And so like we talked more recently about how California just passed that uh, was an executive order where cars are going to have to be electric by 2035. Right. As part of this massive bill that Massachusetts has passed, it's the same thing. It's like in Massachusetts, cars will have to be electric by 2035. And the other things that they put in here are kind of, it's tons of stuff. There's the state's going to be net zero by 2050. And leading up to that, every five years, there's new regulations going into place to step our way up to that. Um, there's uh, major requirements for buying offshore wind energy, uh, emission reduction goals for the Mass Save program, which is the program that's all about solar panels in your homes, uh, making your furnace more efficient. So the Mass Save program is really important for all of the residents of Massachusetts. So they're going to be beefing that up even further. Um, there's environmental investments for lower income communities, which is something that tends to get forgotten about when we talk about this stuff. So there's stuff earmarked for specifically that. Um, renewable energy workforce development programs, which is about training programs to get people ramped up for jobs in this market. And uh, banning the, beyond the banning of the gas cars, they're also beefing up and improving the natural gas lines here in Massachusetts, where if you, I don't know if anybody remembers, but a handful of years ago here in Massachusetts, there was a massive series of explosions <laughs> because... The gas company did it, was doing some service and did a horrible job, and it caused a like fifty million dollars of damage to people's homes, and people died. It was bad. So there's money in there to try to prevent stuff like that from ever happening again, as well. 
Uh, so it's just, it's things like this that we're starting to see more and more of. And even in uh, states like Wisconsin, um, they're switching from coal to solar pretty quickly. But it's not coming from state directives. It's coming from the utilities themselves because solar is so cheap. Some of the utilities there have actually stated that they're going to be net zero by 2050. And they're stepping their way there now by ramping up their solar uh, implementations right now. So it's like it's really cool to see how different states are really starting to take leadership roles in this to try to kind of push everything forward. It's like a series of dominoes. It's like you have California and then you have Massachusetts and you're probably like New York. You have right. all these states to start to fall in line. So even without the federal strategy, there's going to kind of be a groundswell moving. And here in the U.S., We've made some news recently with some stuff happening here that's not so great, but with the new administration coming in, there's going to be some actual federal guidance on environmental stuff as well. So it's like there's going to be a lot of movement in the coming next coming couple of years. There was a, there was supposed to be a peaceful transition of power. Is that is that still happening? Do you know? I, that's what I was alluding to. But yeah, yeah there's, that's supposed to be happening. You know. But what's kind of cool though is that even without a really cohesive federal plan that all these kind of states have gone on and, and done done this. And clearly they've been right because even in places, the Wisconsin story is interesting. I didn't know about that one. But even in places where you don't have any kind of mandate or any kind of government intervention, people are doing it because of pure economics, which is, which yep. is always kind of what we talk about as the winning formula. Um, I'm kind of curious, what do you think how does how does it look when the new administration, who's kind of who've shown that they're way more into renewable energy and sustainability, how do how do some of these kind of initiatives look, or is there any going to be kind of a a unifying plan? Because you have more discrete plans that are all yeah. a little bit different. Would it make more sense? I kind of think of like legal marijuana, even though marijuana here in California is legal, I'm, I believe it is there as well. It is too. You can't, yeah. but it's not federally legal, which means that if you're a dispensary, you can't put the money into a bank. <laughs> Because it's not legal federal. It's absurd. I mean, it's the kind of ridiculous stuff that happens when the laws aren't all in line. So I'm um, here's to hoping that the federal and, and the states can all kind of get together and put together like common sense practices that help business yeah. and, 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 and consumers, too. I think they will. I think I think a lot of what we're going to see roll out over the next few years is going to be modeled after California and Massachusetts. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of that where... I don't know if we'll see a gas car ban by 2035, but we'll probably see a lot of the regulations leaning in that direction. We'll probably see, you know, the extension of the solar program, which we've already seen happen. We'll probably see the uh, the tax credit for EVs getting beefed back up again or some kind of incentive program being beefed up around it. So it's like I think we're going to see a lot of really good movement that's going to kind of force the hand of the states that are dragging their feet but it's going to be modeled after what we're seeing other states already doing. Yeah. And I think yesterday was one of, was a tough day for probably everybody. Um, I think you guys don't know what we're talking about. It was, it was tough. Um, yeah. But even all the while I was kind of watching the news or watching the stock market to see, you know, like what's happening. And I will say like just sustainable energy or uh, renewable energy kind of stocks or people who, who, who work in that landscape, all those stocks are on a, like on a tear right now. They're all all time highs and, and doing really well. It kind of shows you, like where the future is headed and especially with like Democrats, you know, soon to be in office and also in the Senate and stuff, there's, there's kind of a groundswell. And I think um, we'll all benefit from that. All right. Are we already on number five? Final story? Is this the final story? I think this is the final story. 
Wow, how, how quickly the time flies. All right, this one is also <laughs> really cool. We had a story on the board to talk about Tesla reaching an all-time high. What's funny is the article that we were reading when we put it on the board was out of date already because now they're at an all-time high and, and there just seems to be no, um, no end in sight. There was a funny gentleman on Twitter who mentioned, you know, normally you want to buy low and sell high, but I think with Tesla, you just buy high and sell high. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the, the economics of Tesla. But this story is about how they've already sold out on all of the op, like all the available Model Y inventory that they had for China. So the Tesla Model Y is officially being manufactured in Shanghai, China uh, Gigafactory, which is already pretty cool, especially if you're watching those numbers as, uh, in terms of half a million deliveries in 2019 and how to get to a million. Well, the Gigafactory in Shanghai is gonna be a big part of that. And they're already making threes, they have been for a while. The Ys that they're making, they're still ramping up, so they're not at full rate production, but the ones that they're making have already been sold. They're all sold out. So now if you were to buy one today, the delivery date would be in Q2. Pretty amazing that they're already doing this, that they've already gotten the, the, the car up to speed and that they've ramped up production. What actually I think made me wanna put this story on the board is the margin on this car. I was reading an article that says the margin is around 29%, which, oh is, which is a ludicrous number. That is not automotive territory. Like we're talking like iPhone territory almost, mm -hmm. like Apple luxury product territory, which is not what the other brands are, are seeing. Now I think part of it is labor efficiency improvements there in China, raw good, just everything. All the costs I think are lower. And as a result, the, the margins are probably even higher for these Model Ys in China. So Shanghai not only is the biggest car market, but I think if for the companies that are producing cars there, it's gonna prove to be the most lucrative and most profitable as well. So this is the sort of news that I think will propel Tesla stock in the 2020, 21 year and how they reach that 1 million delivery mark, which might be possible. I think it's more than possible. I think they're gonna, <laughs> I think they're gonna do it. It's. I don't know if you saw, Ben Sullins actually did a recent video where he broke down his predictions of what they're gonna be able to do. And he basically was showing how they're gonna do it. Um, it's, it's, while this is really, this specific story is really exciting news and it shows that there's huge demand in China. It also, there is a, not to be a Debbie Downer, the whole thing of, this is just ramping up. We don't know exactly how many they were selling for their Q1 numbers. It could have been 5,000 or 10,000 units, and that's all it was, so that's not that many. But at the same time, it does show that there is incredible demand that's like pent-up demand that's going to satisfy whatever they can produce, most likely, in China. So it's, it's they're gonna hit that million. <laughs> they're gonna hit that million with no problem once they get everything kind of ramped up to full speed. It's between Germany, between China, Austin, it's like they're they're ramping up so fast. It's that ex exponential growth curve that we're seeing, where they're going to probably be doubling their output year after year for a little while. It's what we saw on the iPhone, like when the iPhone first became a thing. It was the same thing. It was like this exponential growth curve. It's going to be really exciting to see what happens over the next few years. Absolutely, man. You're, yeah, but what's crazy is Apple wasn't trading at $700 billion no. when they had that moment. So, I mean, that's the crazy part. Are we talking like a $3 trillion company in eight years or something? I and mean, it's it's absurd. By the way, the one thing, just the final point I wanted to make with this one was the, the high margins should be 
like the siren call to all these legacy makers to, to take your hand at EVs like Honda, rip up that contract, get to work, build an EV, build hundreds of them. Because even though there might be higher capital investment up front, the capital, the capex is going to be high. If on the back end, you can see 29% gross margin, come on, that's no Honda is making that right now. So um, ditch the dealer network, sell direct, make EVs, and your investors will love you. Although maybe two years from now or three years from now, there might be a transitional <laughs> period, but long-term, I think you'd be better off. Well, the, the flip side of this, like this is a, a, we're watching a huge success story of Tesla starting from nothing, struggling for years and really taking off. And for a flip side of that story, you actually have a new channel where you made this great video about the history of the DeLorean. <laughs> which is another one of those cars. It car company that came out and had all the buzz. Everyone was super excited about it. And the way they flamed out was so unique and so spectacular. And I, I just want to let everybody know, you got to go check out his new channel because it's a great video breaking down the DeLorean. It's so cool. Man, I'm, I'm such a bad promoter. We talked about this and I was going to promote this <laughs> new channel. I totally forgot about it. Thank you, Matt, for reminding me. But yes, um, I've been thinking about how to move forward with my channel because I think it's the the response to the different things I've tried have have been a little bit tricky so I've decided for my storytelling which I love telling a great story we're gonna talk about the history the rise and fall of companies on a new channel that I created called good company and I'll put a link in the description our first episode is out it's on DeLorean um, yeah, FBI stings and operations and co cocaine. Oh, yeah, it's an incredible story. <laughs> cocaine. It involves cocaine. <laughs> Check, click it. Click it just for that. Um, <laughs> but it, I mean, it's a great story. Um, I did a video also on Tucker. You remember the Tucker car? Oh yeah. It was a really cool, innovative car in the fifties. Um, again, it kind of shows you how hard it used to be to make cars, and that there's so much capital investment now. People are just if you're smart and you have an idea, there is money, and um, so. For any of the entrepreneurs out there, um, this is a great time to be alive. It really is. This is, yeah, this is getting funner and funner. Thank you, all of you guys, for being so active. Um, it makes me feel like people are watching and it feels fun. So thank you for being so active. We love you guys. Thank you for watching. Yeah. We'll, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're live every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And if you're here live, you can take part in the Q&A that we do after the news. Or if you prefer, you can listen on the go and subscribe to our podcast, which you can find on voiceversa.show. And it would be really helpful if you could also give the podcast a rating and a review on the podcast platform of your choice, like Apple Music. It really does help. And thanks again to everyone. We'll see you in the next one.